0: Leia Healthcare, it's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry.
1: Hello and welcome to the Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry. Folks, Christmas is not too far away. It's getting closer and closer and I really hope you're starting to get into the festive spirit Maybe some of you are getting a little bit too much into it. Well, if that's the case, you're going to love today's episode. I'm delighted to be joined in studio by probably the most famous GP in the country, uh, Dr. (laughs) Sumi Dunn. We spoke briefly last year as part of the Operation Transformation Show, and I'm delighted to have Sumi in studio. She's going to chat to us all about surviving the Christmas glute fest, the Christmas hangovers, all the excess... uh, That we go through this time of year. I'm fascinated to learn about hangovers in terms of what causes them, uh, how to get around them, what's the best way to manage them, simple stuff like how do you know if you're safe to drive the next day, just things that we all go through in December. Yes, as far as I know, no podcast in history has ever covered hangovers, certainly not one that I've seen recently. So uh, our team, when we had a little meeting, we thought, yes, that is something that we really, really want to do. Dr. Simi welcome to the Real Health Podcast. Hi,
0: Carl. Delighted. Thank you very much. How's it going? Good. Good, thanks. Great to be working back with you all again. So it's fantastic. Busy as ever, flat out. Flat out. uh, Practice is really busy. Busy lecturing as well. So the duality of academic medicine... Also, you know, getting all of our recording in as well, meeting you guys at the weekends. And so yeah, the whole week has been taken up.
1: How did the operation transformation thing come about? I want to, I want to get people to know you a little bit more. I, I know you very well at this stage. I want yeah. to get our listeners to yeah. know you a bit. How did you get involved in OT, and operation transformation? And was that always was TV always on your radar for things that you wanted to do?
0: Radio was probably on my radar because no one knows what you look like then. Mm -hmm. Uh, The whole TV thing kind of came about by chance. So if we roll back about 18 months now, you know, I was made aware that my very good predecessor an esteemed colleague and probably the most famous GP in Ireland (laughs) uh, was moving on to Pastures New uh, and an opportunity arose uh, and I was encouraged to apply for it. So I did. Uh, And then lo and behold... One thing led to another. Uh, I did some screen tests, I did some sound bites, and then I was very privileged to be offered the position to join the team of OT 2018. Are you surprised
1: that the show was as big as it was when you became part of it? In terms of the communities all around the country, just the scale of the juggernaut that is that is the show.
0: I think you know, until you join it, you don't realise it. And then once you joined it, you realise how inclusive it is for the whole of Ireland and how many people are actually captivated and taken by our leaders, taken by the plans, taken by the exercise and taken by the show and its concept in general. Because, you know, as we all say, we're not just a weight loss programme. This is a total health journey taking you from the very beginning to a process eight weeks later and then leaving you with tools to carry on doing that thereafter. That totally threw me. I thought that was just an amazing journey to be part of. Now, I know
1: that you're from Port Arlington. I am deepest Port Arlington. But everyone will know, uh, listening in, <laughs> that is not a local Port Arlington accent. How did you end up in Port Arlington? How does that come about?
0: Oh, uh, If I said it was love, would you believe me? (laughs) Would you believe me if I told you it was for love? So all those years ago, many moons ago, uh, I met a man. I met a man up a mountain. I think some of the viewers may have already know that. Uh, And this man and I, uh, who's now my husband, we had a wonderful long-distance relationship while I was still a student and still undertaking some junior jobs in the United Kingdom uh, after my medical training. Uh, And after... A period of time, he kind of said, what do you think about moving over? And do you know what? It didn't seem like a bad idea at the time. <laughs> well, he wasn't going to come to London. So, London, like, Port London, yeah, London, London, Port Arlington, London, Port Arlington, you know. So I said, OK, right. Why not? So uh, I moved over. Yeah. OK, so Christmas. Absolutely. Mental time. Oh, People it's, go it's, over the top. They it's go crazy. that crazy time. It's store music. It's, you know evening jazz it's glasses of wine it we can overindulge we might just lower down on the exercise a bit and just say you know what i'm just going to sort this out in january i think <laughs> you've
1: met that as well evening jazz in the in the done household over christmas that, sound, that sounds that then very nice jazz, how does, before yeah. we get into everyone else's christmas how does your christmas look what do you got what do you get up to
0: so uh, we we have a really family christmas so uh, i've four kids and they range from 16 down to 6 so we have a busy house we have santa and his big red suit has to be there. Uh, So that's all great fun on Christmas morning. And we have a few traditions. We catch up with a very close friend of mine and her family for Christmas breakfast. We do the Christmas walk. And then we have the extended family down to our house. So lots of cousins, really boisterous, slightly bold. So my younger kids think it's absolutely brilliant because the bold boys are down. Uh, So they absolutely adore that huge Christmas lunch. I've never seen the likes of it. So myself and my sister-in-laws and my husband's nieces, we all cook together. Uh, We will have a massive spread and then sit back and kind of say, oh, my God, what have we just done? (laughs) Like a lot of us. Uh, And then the evening typically is a bit of music, some charades, the kids playing, some more charades, family arguments. As people will know, batteries running out (laughs) of things, as we know. Uh, And then a few more cold meats, cold platter, cheese board and then a great film. And that's our Christmas. I like the sound of that.
1: You're always inviting me down, and I might actually come down for that. That's why do not you? you? know,
0: I keep telling you, I keep telling you to call into Port Arlington. You know that
1: is that. That's very much a typical Irish Christmas. Would that, be, in terms of an Indian Christmas, that you would have grown up with, would, would have been would it have been similar, or is it different? Just at ran, randomly out of interest.
0: No, I mean my 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 parents and my background would be of a Hindu background. So typically, we didn't celebrate Christmas as per se. However, my parents were very cognizant of the fact that I was born and growing up in England. So they really did embrace the traditions that I was growing up with. So they didn't really want to set me apart. So we had Christmas uh, and we had the tree and we had the trimmings. And it would have been very alien to mom and dad in the beginning. But again, as I was going through the years it became more and more part of our tradition. And I then, you know, latched onto the fact, well, hold on a minute, there's also Diwali, which happens a little bit earlier. We've just had Diwali about three, you know, a month and a half ago. And Diwali is the festival of light. And it's a huge celebration in India, where at the end of the year, light triumphs over darkness, which is a lovely concept to think about. And people like candles and little tea lights. And again, it's a time to spend with your family. And it's a time for reflection. Uh, And it's a time to be with people that mean a lot to you. And then from the materialistic side, there's always presents. So, you know, there was a double whammy for me. You know, Diwali, then Christmas. You know, life was good growing up. That is for sure. Folks, you are listening to The
1: Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare. With me, Carl Henry, we have Dr. Sumi Dunn in studio telling us all about herself. And now we're going to bring it on to... Hangovers, because uh, yes. we all get them. Um, I'm fascinated mm. to know a little bit more about them. Part of the goal for the podcast is to bring you content, uh, information, knowledge around health. And this is an aspect of health that probably 95, 96% of the population will be uh, going through over the course of the next couple of weeks. What is a hangover? Let's,
0: let's put it right back. What yeah. is it and what causes it? Okay, so hangovers normally come about when you've drunk alcohol. That's the baseline. And the interesting thing is is that you can get a hangover with one glass of wine or one pint of beer and you can get a hangover with a whole load of beer and a whole load of wine. It really varies from person to person. But the symptoms are very similar. So it's that kind of awful feeling the morning after the night before. You know, the head might be pounding, a little bit nauseous. You know, dragging yourself out of bed is just an absolute mammoth task. You might just feel shaky. Trembly. Coordination might just be off. And the thought of actually getting your act together is really, really difficult. So there's lots of reasons why you're getting these physical symptoms and possibly also the emotional aspect with it because some people find they're irritable as well when they've got a hangover. The main reason this is happening is that, you know, when you break down alcohol, alcohol is going to dehydrate you primarily. So when you get dehydrated, you're going to piddle more. When you piddle more, you're going to lose water. And when you lose water from your body, you're going to get dry. And that's going to contribute to a lot of the symptoms. The other thing that happens is that alcohol breaks down into quite a few toxic metabolites. And one of them is called acetaldehyde. And that's a really nasty substance. And that can just fly around the body and cause a vasodilation of certain vessels, particularly up around the brain. Which so vasodilation gives, is? It's when the blood vessels open up. Okay. So when the blood vessels open up, it gives that kind of throb, particularly around kind of the head, and that's why you feel particularly bad. How can we prevent that? Well, that's, you know, really hard to predict because everyone is so different. And as I have said, what may affect someone with one glass of wine or one pint of beer may be very different to someone who can actually drink a whole load more uh, and not get those symptoms. So it's unique individual per person. But there are a lot of safety things around that, particularly if you've been drinking alcohol and the morning after. And I can't emphasise enough, you know, with any amount of alcohol, you really are not safe to drive.
1: Okay, so first of all, in terms of the limits, the normalized limits for Mm. alcohol, what are they? Because people talk about units and I I am convinced that confuses half the population because no one has a clue what a unit is.
0: No, absolutely. And interestingly, the units have changed. So... The safer units now that we're talking about is that for women, we're talking 11 units through a week. That's seven days. And for men, we're talking 17 units through the week. That's okay. because men, are, they're, they're bigger yeah, with they're more bigger. muscle mass or more, more body mass. Absolutely. And, you know, in general, you know, you've got a different physique, you've got a different physiognomy, you've got different body fat distribution. You know, so there's a lot of factors that feed into that. So those are the rough estimated guidelines at the moment. Very well-known, which people might relate back to, which was for a long time, was that women were drinking 14 units per week as a safe limit, and men were drinking 21 units per week as a safe limit. But that's been lowered, Uh, and that's in conjunction with work that has been carried out, and now that's the kind of limits. Ourselves as general practitioners, the HSC, you know, global websites like DrinkAware, they're all kind of perpetuating these figures. So when we look at a unit, as you're saying, what is a unit, Okay really hard if you're pouring your own measure, because we can be a little bit generous, as you know, uh, And particularly if you've got guests you don't want to be caught for not offering enough, you know, drink around so, as per, if we look at pub measures, and that's probably the easiest way, because they are measured out one pint of beer is two units
1: Okay. so,
0: each half pint is one unit one glass of standard wine is one unit, and one shot of spirit is one unit. So, if we think about it at home, we probably are a little bit more over generous in how much we pour. So, we need to be, you know, aware of that. Unless people at home are actually using measuring optics around that. Okay. So, you've had your unit of alcohol you may have another unit of alcohol. Very hard to have half a pint or one glass of wine per hour. Although, again, we would be saying, ideally, it should be one unit per hour that you should be taking. But you know what? This is Christmas, and life is also for living. And, you know, one glass of wine over the Christmas season, over an hour, you know, let's just, you know, live in the real world for a little bit on that. So... In order to excrete it or get rid of that alcohol, you need one full hour after you've drunk that one unit, okay? Okay,
1: so it's one hour per unit. One so hour. for every glass of wine you drink, you Absolutely. need one hour to process it.
0: Absolutely. So one hour to process it. So if you think, I'm going out at eight o'clock, okay, I'm having a few glasses of wine per hour. Uh, I'm staying out to maybe midnight or maybe, you know, I'm not Cinderella, <laughs> I'm staying out a little bit longer, Those units add up and once those units add up there's a cumulative effect and then thereafter you need an hour per unit in order to get rid of that alcohol from your body which means theoretically if you're getting up for work at seven o'clock in the morning you may not be or very easily you will still be over the alcohol limit and you won't be safe to drive.
1: And does that Downtime for one or recovery time is a better word for it. Does that
0: only start when you have your final drink? Because there's that cumulative effect, to be safe, you yes. need to wait from the last kind of hour from which you have had your last drink. Because you can't just say, Okay, I had my last drink at twelve and therefore I'm gonna be fine by one. Hold on a minute. What about all the hours before twelve? So it's that cumulative effect that we need to be aware of. Wow. And I think that is a really important message, you know. People are very aware of the fact that we shouldn't drink and drive. Mm -hmm. I think that has been a message that we are hearing, you know, over a good many years and rightly so. I think even more so now is the message to say, what about the morning after? Or what about the late morning after? And that is where we need to be really, really aware and we need to be really safe around that. One hour per unit of alcohol drunk, you need to get rid of it. So a good
1: night out around this summer of year for a lot of people, uh, it, if you're going to average it out, it's probably six to ten units for most it people. It could easily. Be there or thereabouts. So it if could easily the happen. the higher end, <clears> if it's ten units and you get to bed at, let's say, two o'clock in the morning, yeah. which would be a normal time for, again, yeah, this summer of year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like so you're, you're ten hours from, so you're not safe to be behind the wheel of a car you wouldn't until be midday.
0: at least. At least. And even then, if you are still not feeling right, you shouldn't be be Mm -hmm. behind the wheel of a car. We cannot emphasise this enough. Road safety awareness. I think the Road Safety Authority, the Irish College of General Practitioners, you know, global health awareness groups would all say the same around this.
1: Fascinating.
0: Yeah. Folks, if
1: you do one thing listening into this episode, just write that down somewhere. Just go back over it, write it down in terms of the the, the um, it's one unit per hour. Put it in a text message. Send it to your WhatsApp group. Send it to your friends because it's a re. It's something I've always wondered because mm, there's very. Mm. I think it's it's confusing in terms of units and the recovery is equally as confusing. We've Absolutely. simplified it and made it really basic. And even the article on independent.e around the show, the numbers are going to be there. Send it on to a friend, send it on to somebody because it's really simple and it's really important to know. Um Okay, let's talk about recovering then the next day. Absolutely. So, you've had the
0: crack. Yeah, you've had the fun.
1: Yep, you've had the fun. You've had the late night jazz in Port Arlington and a couple of drinks. The doors are open. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> you wake up the next day, the head is throbbing. You now know why it's throbbing because the blood yeah. vessels are open. Um, how do people recover? What's the optimum way to recover? There's loads of old wives' sales around this about having the pint of, of water before yeah, bed, absolutely. the dioral light before <clears throat> bed. Give us the real, give us the the, the medical stuff. Give us the the real way to recover.
0: Okay, time is your friend. Okay, bottom line is it's time. Everything else is just going to help with the symptoms. It's only time that's really going to get rid of the alcohol out of your body. Okay, but you will feel rotten in some instances. And it's getting rid of that rotten feeling, which is, you know, how can we do that? Lots of things can help. But they won't, importantly, get rid of the alcohol. They're just going to treat how miserable you can feel. Okay, so if the head is throbbing, okay, some simple painkillers. We normally say ibuprofen or aspirin. But the downside to them is that they can actually irritate your tummy, OK? And alcohol will also irritate your tummy. So if your tummy is dodgy and you're feeling like a lot of heartburn, you know, taking ibuprofen may actually aggravate that a bit. So that's a judgment call that you can make. You might even find something very simple, like an antacid, may also help with those awful tummy symptoms as well. So that's just one thing that you can do. Other things really practically is to drink water. You know, water is your friend. But together with that, what's even better is an oral rehydration solution. So, you know, very simply, you can get them over the counter, you can buy them in most of the pharmacists. Making up an oral rehydration solution will actually help with the salt and the sugar balance that you need to get back in. Because the night before, you've drunk a lot of alcohol. As we've said, alcohol makes you piddle more. You've peed out lots of fluids. That fluid isn't just water. So you are losing electrolytes, that being your sugar and salt. So it actually makes more sense to put electrolytes back in through a rehydration solution. OK, if that's not at hand, water is fine, but it may just take it that little bit longer for you to feel a little bit better.
1: So Dioralite would be one of the rehydration. There's loads of them
0: around, yeah. you know. So, I mean, you can also make your own rehydration solution at home, you know, if, we, <laughs> if you're up to it and you want to go browsing through the Internet. And there's lots of them around. One that the World Health Organization uses is that within a litre of water, you can add 16 spoons of sugar and half a teaspoon of salt. You know, if you, six teaspoons of sugar six teaspoons of sugar you would be hyper as well you would be hyper yeah no absolutely <laughs> and half a teaspoon of salt the salt is the important part there but it, it and you also need the right volume so it's a litre of water
1: and okay. is that the reason people crave on the way home the chippers yeah it, the salt and the food yeah, and the gre- and the and the, gre- and the, the kind of the, the absorption of the alcohol is that a myth
0: <clears throat> part myth Part, you know, we've all walked that walk, you know, kind of that, you know, that doddery walk to the kebab shop, (laughs) haven't we all? Uh, Will it help get rid of the hangover? No. Uh, Will it help with the fact that you've dropped some sugar levels because you've drunk a vast amount of alcohol? It may, because a lot of it is actually carbohydrate based, Mm -hmm. you know, that is. Late evening kebab comes with, you know, some naan bread or whatever. So that's part of what is helping. But it's actually not going to have the soakage, as people will say. You're not going to soak up the alcohol. You know, that needs, again, our good friend, time. To get rid of that. Myth busted. I Myth love it. busted. Yeah. yeah the kebab is not going to <laughs> detox you. Really sorry about that.
1: And then the next day, is, I suppose in a similar vein, you people wake up with the hangover. You want you want carbs, you want yeah, the bigs, yeah, yeah. you want the fry and the spread oh, and the white toast. And that's you know, again, it's that it's not the body's way of craving uh salt, sugar, it, simple it, carbohydrates.
0: Absolutely. And you know, we are such unique individuals uh, and the body at times just sends us these messages and triggers to say you know what i really need that so wanting that kind of sugar fix wanting that carbohydrate fix that's absolutely fine but you that's balanced against some people might feel so nauseous they don't want to eat anything so if you're in that i'm feeling so nauseous and i'm almost going to vomit that i don't can't tolerate anything even something simple like a slice of toast doesn't matter if it's white or brown it's carbohydrate that may help you and it may also just line the tummy a little bit and may you know you may not feel so sick after that okay and are there are there
1: drinks that provide worse hangovers or better hangovers Again, it's something you come across quite a lot. It's like, oh, this doesn't give me a hangover, if I'm going to drink it. And this is not from personal experience, by the way. Of course, Scott, I, don't of course drink yeah. a, I don't drink a huge amount. Um, but are there, are, or is that another myth? Is that just.
0: No, it's funny, actually. We do know certain drinks potentially have more of an issue with that morning after feeling and giving the hangover. And they're drinks that tend to have substances called congeners in them. So they tend to be the darker type alcohol drinks so things like brandy things like whiskey have got these congeners in them uh, to you know part add to the te- taste and part add to the fermentation process but these congeners then add to the toxic metabolites that we spoke about so then you've got a double whammy of not only alcohol but you're also breaking down the congeners uh, and that can really lead to that absolute throb that throb that only some of us have walked the walk <laughs> and had at times
1: Every time I hook up with you, whether it's on a TV show or whether it's just generally hook up for coffee, I learn a new word every time no matter where, no matter where we go you produce this new word of something uh, and congenus that's okay there listeners there's another challenge for you over christmas bring the, the congenus word into that conversation around brandy and whiskey and you'll sound very 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 intelligent <laughs> to get there but it, okay that's it's it makes sense it makes yeah it, ma- it makes total sense um and hangover recovery presumably then it varies from person to person Absolutely. so for some people it's you know, short enough for some other people it's it's a longer
0: exactly uh, you know and coming back to the same reasons that we were talking Talking about you know how long does it take you to get rid of alcohol out of your system yes you know that I'm coming back and I'm reinforcing the message of one unit per hour but on top of that you know your age your height are you taking any other medication do you have any other chronic diseases you know all of those aspects come into play for how long things will last or how unwell you feel or how long it takes you to get over it what about people
1: who sweat it out whose theory is to go for a big long run or jump in the sea, the Christmas Day yeah, swim will yeah, be coming yeah. up after, after Christmas Eve and Steven's yeah. Day. Uh, presumably, if you're sweating, just based on our conversation so far, if you're sweating it out, you're already dehydrated. And sweating it out on top of that is dehydrating the body even more?
0: It will. And so if you're doing that, then you need to be you know, cognizant to say, okay, I need to rehydrate as well. So sweating it out can help. But again, you know, time is your friend. So doing a whole load of exercise will help, but still you need to factor in the time as well, that recovery period that you need. So, And if you are exercising even more so, then you do need to eat well. And you also need to rehydrate yourself appropriately because, as you know, with exercise, you're going to lower those blood sugar levels even more because the body is going to look for a substance for fuel to burn it. So if you've got alcohol on board, you need some other fuel as well in order for you not to feel absolutely really rotten afterwards. Amazing. So time is the key word. Time is your friend. Time is your friend. Uh, okay. And it. I think it's very difficult because quite often we have responsibilities to get back to uh the next day and as i said a lot of this will help but it's not going to detox as per se
1: on that word de- oh, let's go let's go mm. now let's take it away from hangover there to detox we ch- plan on chatting about it but yeah yeah myth or true then so detox solutions we're not going to see them for another four probably three weeks to four weeks by detoxing your body and detox your health and all this and take a pill for this and yeah yeah, put this pad on your foot
0: you detox absolutely true or false Uh, okay (laughs) I would say healthy eating regular exercise quick fixes do not work and anything that says you're going to detox because you've taken a pill or you've put a charcoal patch on your foot cannot have an evidence base behind that.
1: Love it. That's the answer. I knew you were going to give me that answer. That's why I asked it. Um Dr. Sumi Dunn, thank you so much for coming in and shouting us uh, all about hangovers on the Real Health Podcast. <laughs> A really interesting insight into what to do, what not to do, and some fabulous words uh, I challenge you listeners to use over the course of the next couple of weeks when you're having your Christmas drinks with your friends. That's all we have time for on this week's Real Health Podcast. And again, thanks to Sumi Don for joining me on the show. Uh, great advice, really simple, put it into practice The key thing for me that I really would love you to take away from the episode is the fact that what a unit actually is, how long it takes to process that unit. So it's one hour per unit from the very last drink that you've had. And if we can spread that message around, we will have a healthier, safer society over the course of Christmas and over the course of next year and so on and so forth. So do spread those words as much as you possibly can. As ever, we are back next week with another great episode of The Real Health Podcast. In the meantime, don't forget, give us a review, a rating, and keep subscribing to the show every single comment every single listen uh, helps to keep us and pushing us forward above all have a wonderful week and we'll see you soon slong of all
0: leia healthcare it's good to live proud sponsor of the real health podcast with carl henry